Welcome to the fourth episode in our podcast series, Oh, the Places You Can Go with DLI. In the first three episodes, we went back in time to look at history from a military linguist point of view. Now we're going to fast forward to present day, where one DLI FLC grad went from student to army ranger to teacher. That's Sergeant First Class Matthew Peterson teaching a Pashto class at Collins Hall. Matt's a two-time Pashto graduate from DLI-FLC. He recently came back to the Presidio to become an MLI, or Military Language Instructor. MLIs are the liaison between the student and the instructor when needed. 95% of the instructors here at DLI-FLC are native speakers. Most of them have little to no experience with U.S. military and what that might entail in a learning environment. That's just one of the ways MLIs come in. All MLIs have graduated from DLI-FLC, so they know where the students are coming from and what life is like for them. I remember like when I was a, a student the first time, there's still a language barrier. or Some teachers just don't know what the students are asking. The students don't know how to ask the question right or whatever. So, um, you know, I jump in on that anytime and be like, oh, I kind of know what you're asking because I used to get frustrated with that same thing. Here's what, you know, what you're looking for. Um, That sort of thing, maybe lend a little experience, um, help motivate some of the students, just like, hey, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Like, there's some great jobs out there, Um, you know, because it it does, it gets, it's rough. (laughs) Halfway through the course, you're like, oh, man, is this ever going to end? Matt graduated from Pashto in 2011 and then returned as a 3-3 when he came out to DLI to take the Intermediate Pashto course in 2015. The Intermediate class is a year-long course, so he got to perfect his Pashto and work on his pronunciations. First and foremost for me, it's I can't just study a list of vocab. I have to get it in context because... I don't know. It just it doesn't. You can't just see a word on its own. To me, that like that's just like this floating concept out there. I need to see how it works with other words. Um, when you look at like the way we acquire language as kids, no one's giving you a list of vocabulary. It's just your parents talking to you and you repeating it back to them. And you learn grammar just by I don't know them telling you that was right or wrong and so you just kind of learn to to know what sounds right and then you go out and you learn it so for me I try and I try and focus on that but the other thing is we have we have a limited number of sounds that we make in English and other languages have different sounds Um, so if you if you don't open your mind to that concept then you're going to really limit yourself uh, they say that your ability to speak and produce a language is directly tied to your ability to speak or to hear it and understand it. So if you can't distinguish between two sounds when you speak it, you're definitely not going to hear it and you're going to miss those questions on, like, on tests or you know, uh, like when someone's talking to you. So a good example of the other way around is Japanese doesn't have um, an L. And you know, just commonly like... Um, Japanese people, when they're speaking English, they mix their L's and their R's. Well, it's because their their R is sort of like a half L, half R shape or sound. So to them, it's the same sound. So when they're learning the language, they get confused in that. And as Americans, we do that same thing when we're speaking a foreign language that has, uh, like in Chinese, has a sh and a sh. 
and like if you don't do the right different you know you don't make that distinction then then you're going to have a hard time so when you first start learning that language the best thing you can do is focus on the way that the teachers are making the noises and like mimic it to an exaggerated degree almost like you're making fun of them but it'll make it more natural and eventually like when you're speaking it your 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 accent will sound a lot more natural and if you can produce a natural accent you'll have a lot easier time of like learning and understanding and hearing um, so when you're when you're doing your listening activities you're doing your listening tests or when you're out there talking to someone you're not like stopping and like slow down wait what was that say it again was that this or this um, because you're just used to it it's, it's something that you're familiar with so It often happens that people who learn a second language in the military don't work out in the field. Usually they're behind the lines doing translating or analyzing data that comes across their desk. Matt's career before he came back to DLI-FLC took a, oh, let's call it a different turn. He decided to become an Army Ranger. You know, they train hard. Um, it's, their SIGINT group is very small. SIGINT is military speak for signals intelligence. It's a military career field where they intercept communications to collect and analyze information for tactical, operational, and strategic purposes. And I had known the guys before. Um, I just liked them. We meshed really well. So I knew it was just going to be like a, a fun place to work and where I get to kind of do stuff that I wouldn't be able to do anywhere else. So let me pause here and explain a few things to people who might be new to DLI-FLC. To become a linguist in the military, you have to have very high aptitude test scores. You also have to have a strong propensity for languages based on a test called the Defense Language Aptitude Battery, or DLAB. And then because it's the military, you have to maintain a certain level of fitness and security clearance. As if that wasn't enough, Matt decided to take all that up a notch to Army Ranger level. Yeah, I mean, they just they smoke you. You go through pretty rigorous physical um, hell, and if you don't quit, typically you make it. Uh, that's that's pretty much the only the only thing you got to do is just not quit. Typically, you're expected as an NCO to go to Ranger School, which is three 21-day phases: um, Darby phase in in Fort Benning, Georgia, Mountains phase in Dahlonega, Georgia, and then Swamp phase in in Florida. it <laughs> I don't know anyone that crushes it it's not it's not one of those it's one of those like yeah, I survived I made it through it's it's hard they expect you to do a lot in the unit but I mean like it once you get there it doesn't stop it's not like oh I made it now I get to relax it's like nope now you're gonna go constantly it's high octane it's like this fast-moving train and <laughs> it's like, it doesn't stop for you. It's you're either on it or you're not. I like the challenge. I mean, I like the the SIGINT community because it is. It's a it's an evolving field. It doesn't stay still, and it's not like there's just like a class that can teach you everything. So as things change, like you just kind of have to go out there and, and get into it and figure it out yourself. And like working with a 
for me, it was one of the most rewarding experiences because you're working with people that are just as dedicated to it as you. And like, you kind of like, you pump each other up and it's just like, oh, I just read this, this article about this thing that just came out. And it's like, oh man, how can we do something with that? And, you know, just everybody kind of geeks out about it. And it's just people that want to be better every day. Matt's second work with the Rangers took him on some intense missions. He got to do really cool stuff with his unit. And then on top of that, because he was so proficient with his language, he was able to interact with the Afghans when his unit came across an IED. So one of our first missions, um, we had separated our, our group into two different elements. Um, one was, one was going to be the main element, and one was going to be an overwatch element. And uh, we had sent our interpreter off with the second element. So as we were walking, our mine removal group that was uh, out in front of us just sweeping for mines, uh, they found a, a, an IED. Uh, they stopped. Their natural reaction is to blow it up in place. But because we didn't want anyone to know we were coming, um, we wanted to wait and blow it up on our exfil. That is military talk for exit. But we didn't have an interpreter. So the, 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 the guys that I was with, they're just like kind of like, scratching our heads, not sure what to do. I just kind of like raised my hand. I was like, hey, I know I'm new here. You don't really know what I do, but I can I can figure this out for you. So they're like, shoot, go for it. Um, started talking to the guys in charge. I said, hey, we're going to leave it here. Then we're going to blow it up when we come back. Like, they're going to thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. Keep going. Like, so it was just like nice, easy. It took me like five minutes to do. And then there's other advantages to knowing the language well in country. Advantages like... Food. Anytime you go to a foreign country, everyone looks at you weird like you're the outsider, but you start talking somebody's language. Um, it's, I don't know, it just opens doors. So right after that, when we got home that night, uh, they invited me down. Uh, they said, hey, you want to come have some food with us? So um, I took uh, the guy that that, uh, that I was working with at the time. We walked down and, and uh, they cooked us some there's a lot of food. <laughs> um, I don't know what spices they use, but that chicken was delicious. Matt has spent a good amount of time on mission in different countries. Things have changed since the Operation Enduring Freedom began in the early 2000s. The current mission in Afghanistan is a NATO-led mission called Resolute Support. It's a phased approach to withdrawing troops from Afghanistan and giving more and more responsibility to the Afghan government, their police, and their military. Primarily, the units working out there now are known as SFABs, or Security Forces Assistance Brigades. Their whole job is to partner up with um, an Afghan military unit, um, and they oversee the planning and execution of missions and operations by the Afghans. So they're running their own, they're running their own shows, and they're you're carrying out all their, th all their missions, and then we're sort of giving them critique. So I wasn't with an SFAB, I was just with another unit, um, but they were doing sort of the similar thing. Um, they were doing advising assists and they were making sure that, you know, the, the Afghan unit knew what they were doing and they would kind of give them after action reviews and comments. And then I was just supporting that unit, supporting them. And then sometimes Matt was able to use his language in other ways unrelated to SIGINT work. I showed up at this uh, outstation and uh, one of the first things they asked me to do was to sort of vet the linguists they had. They had hired a couple locals to help them, like, monitor uh, radios and just radio chatter in the area. And I guess it's well known that 
you get paid per language. And since there's so many languages in Afghanistan that are spoken, um, a lot of guys will come in and they'll be like, yeah, I speak Dari, Farsi, Pashto, and they'll get paid for each one. But the, uh, the guys that I was working for, they weren't really, uh, they weren't really confident that, um, I guess interpreters were really doing their job. So they just kind of asked me not to let anyone know that I spoke Pashto and just kind of listen and see. And it turns out, yeah, there was only one guy there out of the three that actually spoke Pashto. There are so many different options for military linguists. You can stay in the military and continue your career until retirement, like Matt plans. You can get out and find work in the civilian sector using your language, like John Sullivan and Vinnie Zink did. Or you can get out and work for the federal government, like you'll learn in our next podcast, a fantastic story of travel and adventure from four of our Persian Farsi graduates. The point is, you can do so much with your life as a military linguist. It's all a matter of what you choose to do with it. Did you see that? That was the flash of light at the end of the tunnel. You can do this.